0: The parade was great. We were enjoying all kinds of different things coming by, and lots of different cultures were represented in the parade, and we were kind of there and enjoying it, and um, where we were, they would come down the uh, the route at the top of the hill, make a turn, come down past us, and we had been there for a little while. I don't even remember how long we had been into our day there. And this group from um, this group rounded the corner, and they had loud music attached with their with their group coming by and doing dancing, and immediately, there internally in our spirits or guts, however you would describe this, there was just a sensation that this is evil, and I was like, what What is this? Who is this? I had never heard anything of what they were promoting and and all of that, and. Anyway, it just you could actually sense it in the crowd around us that something was different. Shortly after them, coming down the hill, there was a very different group of people, and this was a Korean church in Centerville that was playing praise and worship music, and in a very um, God-honoring and modest way, they were doing dance to praise and worship. And it was an extremely different atmosphere within five minutes of, of each other. And so I, I got on my phone, and I was like, what was that first group? And, it, and I don't even remember the name of it, but it was very definitely tied to occultic um, religion in uh, coming from another country, and, in, and internally you could just feel it immediately. So uh, the question that I want to think about—not just today, but over the next couple times I preach—is so we live in we live in a world where evil is all around us, and what what are the things that actually open our lives to darkness, and what are the things that don't? Um, so I'll just give you another example of, of kind of what I'm thinking about. Uh, so I follow the publishing industry because I need to for my job. So I get a magazine every week, Publishers Weekly, and it's got all these stats about what's happening. But there's always a like a wrap uh, a on this magazine that's promoting a new book. And it is amazing right now. I would I have not counted it, but I would guess probably half or more of the books that are being promoted in this wrap are going to be very dark, if not you know, occultic in nature or writing you know, more from a, like about a horror genre or something. So if you're me and you, and you get these things weekly, you need to look through them. As a believer, do these things have any power in my life? Do I read it and toss it in the trash can? Or do I need to get it out of my office? what would you tell me? And do you face similar situations where, what is this? How much power does it have or does it not have in the life of a believer? So, um, a while back I would asked a few people um, for sermon ideas and somebody had asked if if we would talk about this question. Um, We relate to a lot of things that are dark and at what point does that open up our life and does it have any impact? So that's where we're headed, um, but the disclaimer is we're not going to get there today. It's going to actually take me a couple Sundays to get there. So I don't know if that will make anybody scared to ask those kinds of questions or not. I hope not. <laughs> um, and on a side note, we would love to hear from you if there, are, if there are passages or things that you would like us to talk about on a Sunday morning. Um, I do the preaching schedule. If it's difficult, I will assign it to Danny or Dave. Dave. <laughs> Um, and we will we'll all enjoy it. But, but no, seriously, um, I do want to take this question seriously. And so I've been thinking about it an awful lot for, for several months. And where I'd like to go is actually, I feel like we have to look at two things first. And one is just, who are we in Christ? And so that's what I'd like to talk about today. Like, who, who are we in Jesus? And then a follow-up to that, I would actually like to look at how does Satan work and out of those two things, attempt to answer the question of what are the things that open up our heart, and what are the things that don't. Um, so today we're going to be centered around uh, the first the first part of this of of who we are in Christ. Um. So I've I've talked about pottery here before, and this is basic. I just want to this is a word picture of I guess how I'm looking at this. So when you when you work in pottery on a wheel, you start with a lump of clay, and you you form it into a ball, and you put it right down on this wheel. But as soon as you start the wheel spinning, there's no way that you have this thing centered correctly. So the very, very first thing that you have to do in pottery is what's called centering. And you take the clay and actually form it up. And then after you do that, you push it back down. And in doing that, you flatten it out and get it exactly centered perfectly. once it's centered, then you're in a position to actually start bringing the clay back up to make something. Does that make sense? You put it on, and you got to bring it up, and then you put it back down to center it. And as easy as that looks, that's actually really hard and actually really frustrating, and you can't do anything until you can do that, that step. And so as I look at the idea of who we are in Christ, I would just describe it as this is what it means as a believer to be, to be centered on the wheel. And we have to understand this, and then everything else that Christ does is flowing out of this foundation of who we are, um, who we are in Christ, on the wheel. David Tripp, uh, Paul David Tripp said this: "The normal human struggle is to look for identity horizontally. When I was hardwired by God to get it vertically, so our normal struggle is to look for identity horizontally." When I meant to get it vertically. So, you know, looking to other people or external things, maybe it's its job, characteristics, background, all of those things, you name it. And as believers, we are designed and we can only have our identity in who Christ says that we are. We can only know who we are as we know who God is. So God is our creator, and we're looking to Him to to give us our identity. He's our Redeemer. He gives us a brand new um, brand new identity. So the thing of identity is a huge, it's a huge topic, and I won't get into a lot of this, but it's one of the primary areas that Satan tries to, to get our heart away from God and to build idols is, is in our identity, who we are and what, what really matters uh, the most to us. So i want to look at a few passages, and, and a lot of these are going to be familiar, but I want to look at a few passages just to set where we're going and, again, answering the question of who are we in Christ? Who are we in God? i want to read 1 John 5, and as I, I look at the question of what are the things that open our life up, up to darkness, uh, I'll keep coming back to this passage this Sunday and, and in the future. So 1 John 5, we know that everyone who has been born of God so he's saying if we're born of God, we're not going to continue to live in sin, and that we are, we're protected by God, and the evil one can't touch us. So obviously Satan can still interact with our life, but we are safe in Christ. The, the evil one can't touch us. And then here's a startling statement, and we'll look more at that next week. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Is that how you look at the world around us? Like that's a huge statement. And then he goes on uh, to say that in Christ, that we are, we are in him. And I want to just highlight that, that little phrase, that we are in him. And that is going to be the whole, the crux of the message this morning, is that we are in Christ. Um, it is true that Christ is in us. So in Galatians, um, it talks about, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ living in me talks about Christ in us, the hope of glory. And often when we talk about being saved, we talk about inviting Jesus in our heart. And this, that is not wrong. But what's interesting to me is in the New Testament, it's actually talked about again and again and again, and vice versa, that we are in Christ. Actually, it's, it's about, it depends how you count it, but about 200 times in the New Testament, we're told you are in Christ, you are in Christ. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says it about 40 times. So, what does it mean? What does it mean to be in Christ? Um, so, I've got just a couple of, of very simple objects up here that we'll talk about. What, is it, what does it mean to be in Christ? And one way to look at this this is, this is Annika's little savings jar here. And don't worry, she actually does have some money in it at home. Annika, I put it on my desk. I'll put it back in then. I didn't take your money. So this is, this is her savings jar, and here's a dollar. So one way of, talk, of thinking about being, if we're in Christ, if this represents me and you as believers, it, it is a true statement that we are, we're in Christ. The money is in the jar. So we're, we're protected, we're kept. The money's going to go wherever the jar goes. Um, we, are, we are in Christ. And I think that, that is, that's true. That's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it, I uh, also brought along uh, just a plant here, and when we talk about being in Christ, it, you know, I think about what Jesus says about him being the vine, and we are the branches. And so, it's not just, I mean, this is true of us, we are in Christ, but when we talk about being in Christ, it's, it's like these, these little shoots, and the these aren't really branches, but these little shoots off of the, the plant are in the plant. And so we're what we're talking about is being we're being in we're unified with Christ we're in relationship with Him His very life we're in Him and His very life is flowing um, in in and through us. And I'll be honest I don't know when we think about being in Christ I don't even know how to begin thinking about all of the implications of that. And I thought of Wayne preaching through the book of Romans and how many. How often in, you know, in the first few chapters of Romans it 's in Christ Scripture actually tells us it is going to take literally all of eternity to reveal the riches of god 's grace that it means that we get to be in Christ um, so I, I in studying this, I just learned, I am so aware of all that I need to learn and grow of, of what it means to be to be in Christ so just let 's have that in mind, um, and what we 're going to do i 'm just going to share. Four of the things that are true of us now that we're in Christ. And again, thinking through our identity and how do we relate to the world around us, um, an evil world, um, who, are we, who are we in Christ? Um, before I share those four things, I want to just read this, these verses in Colossians um, also to help us understand what it means to be in Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So what I want us to notice here is just that it's, when it comes to who we are in Christ, there is, a, there is a past element to it, there is a present element to it, and there is a future element to it. Um, In the New Testament, we have a verse in Ephesians that talks about that those who have been saved. And in Romans it talks about those that that we shall be saved. And in Corinthians, it says we are being saved. And so why does this why am I getting hung up on the phrase of of in Christ and what does it mean? And here is the one thing. Well, and I can't see where I wrote it down. But one of the, the things that's important about remembering who we are in Christ is that Scripture talks about it that we were, we were crucified with him, that we died with him, we're buried with him, we're raised with him. It talks about him being our life, our inheritance. And so it's not just when we're born again, it's not just that we invite Christ into our heart. Like, that's really true. But we're actually in Christ and we died with him, we rose with him, we have his inheritance. All of the things that are talked about in Christ of who he is and the spiritual blessings are actually true of us if we're born again. And that's what I can hardly wrap my mind or heart around. And in fact, God tells us that the only way we're going to begin to understand it is if he opens the eyes of our heart. So again, that's part of why I'm, I'm really focusing in on The fact that we're in Christ is the way that Christ saves us and works out our salvation is, and how this works is a mystery, I don't know, but we really were and are in Christ when he died for our sins, when he was buried, and when he rose again, and I think that's partly why the New Testament says 200 times you're in Christ, you're in Christ, and yes, it talks about Christ in us, but about 10 times or so, um, but not nearly as often. All right, so I do want to look at uh, a few things that are true of us because we are in Christ. And this is 2 Corinthians 5, and I'm just going to look at four scriptures here um, that highlight a truth that is true of us in Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, So again, very basic and foundational, but in Christ, we are new. We are new in Him. So at the start of, in verse 17, it talks about if we're in Christ, we are a brand new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. And when when it's the word here for new, as I understand it, I'm told that it means there's two different ways to use it. One is where you're making something new, but there's a lot of it already. So does that make sense? You're making something new, but there's a lot of this already. And then the other way this word is used is if there's something that is entirely new that has never been before, and that's what he's talking about here. So when we're saved and we're in Christ, we are, we are made entirely brand new. Um, we're, we're a new creation, and the old is going away. And then he says at the end of the verse, behold, or look, the new has come. And So I think it means not just individually, but you know, this, this new life in Christ impacts the whole world and, and all of history. There's a new family. It's the church. And there's a new covenant. The kingdom is here. It doesn't matter what background you're from or what race you are. You're brought into the church. It's, it's a brand new thing. And so he's saying, behold, look, everything's new. Um, and that includes you and I once we're born again. So when we talk about what it means to be a believer, one of the things we often say is that we are sinners saved by grace, and that's a very, very common phrase and used a lot. Again, I don't think that's bad, but is that the whole picture of who we actually are and who our identity is in Christ? That is a very true phrase to who we were. In Christ, we're brand new. So I'm not saying we don't say that phrase, um, but there's so much more to this um, that we are we are made brand new so in scripture there there are really only two options on the one hand, God talks about it that we are dead in sins or we are alive in Christ, so dead in sins or alive in Christ. Um, So exactly where we're born again, sometimes it's hard to know. But at the point that we move from being dead in sins to alive in Christ, we're completely brand new. All of the things that are true of Christ are true of us. Um, We're accepted in Christ, and we're we're not working towards being accepted. We're fully accepted. What I'm saying is that we're justified entirely right before the Lord. Now, living all of that out for the rest of our lives, our lives. That's where we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, and that's um, that's being sanctified. So the first thing is that we are we're new in Christ. I will to look at the second thing that's true if we're in Christ. Colossians two. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So the verses are talking about Christ and who he is, and it's talking about that all that it means to be God dwells in Christ bodily. While he was here and, and, and now he ascended with his body. Did you catch this phrase in verse 10? And you have been filled in him. And the King James would say that you are complete in him. So it's, it's talking about Christ and who he is. But in Christ, you are, you're complete. And the word means that you're, you're filled. Um, you're, it, it's, a, you know, it's a picture of a cup that's filled entirely to the top. Any requirements that there are are met. You are complete in Christ. And he goes on to say here, you're in Christ, you're full of Christ, and... Who is Christ? Christ is the head of all rule and authority. And thinking about this verse in the context of what opens our heart and our lives up to the forces of darkness, it's important to note that we are, so we're in Christ, we're full of Christ, Christ is the head of all rule and authority. Whenever the words rule and authority are used together, it typically is talking about the kingdom of darkness and and demons and those things. And he goes on to say in this passage that Christ spoiled them. He made a show of them publicly. So when we're in Christ, this really matters because Christ is over any forces of darkness. And he's filled us up. We're complete in Christ. So as we relate to the world, we can know that we're, we're safe. We're complete. We're filled in Christ. Um, and, and I just I love the picture there that he's, um, of who we are. All right, I want to read one more, um, and then just a warning, the last one I'm going to ask you to get involved as we go through this. So Ephesians 2, the third thing that we are in Christ, that God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is a gift of god not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so we saw that we're new in christ we're complete in christ and here we see we see that we are alive in christ and there's a lot more that we could lift out of this, but it says that we are, in verse 5, we are made alive together with Christ, and we're raised up with him. So when we, when we look at who we are in our identity, we're raised with Christ, and whatever all this means, we are seated with him in the heavenlies. That's true of us who are born again right now, um, that that's, that's our position, and that's who we are in Christ um, we're seated with him, and we are, we are his workmanship. All right, for the last one, I want to look at Ephesians 1. And Kate and Ashton, would you mind coming up and helping me out with this? So I've got about 45 or so, so most, I would say all adults. Uh, yeah, just go ahead and pass them out to everybody. So what I'm going to do for the last one is we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1 together. So um, it's printed on both sides. Um, Flip to the side that has Ephesians 1 as the heading. And we're going to read verses um, 3 through 14. If you have a pen, um, it would be helpful if you get your pen out and get ready to to mark on on the paper. I want to notice two things as we go down through here. Um, The first is how often the words in Christ or in Him are used. And so when you come across that, just circle in Christ or in Him. And then the second part of this is going to be, as we read through here, underline the things that are true about you because you are in Christ or in Him. So Does that make sense? We're, we're circling in Christ and in Him, and underlining the things that you see that are true of you because you are, because you are in Christ. And I will read this. I'll read it fairly slowly. Um, and don't worry, you're not getting graded on this, so if you miss one, you're fine. We'll, we'll uh, hear from each other on what you notice in this, in this text. Ephesians 1. So we're circling in Christ and in Him, and we're underlining what that makes true in my life. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory." All right, so I won't uh, go through and ask and count up how many times in Christ or in him are mentioned. It's obviously mentioned a lot here, but I would like to just open it up, and let's just share what are the things that you see that are true in your life as a believer now because you are in Christ or in Jesus. We aren't going to pass the mic. You can just... uh, if you see one, just call it out. And if you have any comments on it, great. You don't have to comment on it if you don't want to. But what are the things that are true of you because you are in Christ? Redemption. Redemption. All right, excellent. In verse 7, we have redemption through his blood. What else? Yeah, forgiveness of our trespasses, also in verse 7. Verse nine. verse 9, yes. Making known to us the mystery of his will. Isn't that amazing? This is the God of the universe, making known the mystery of his will. All right, what else? Being adopted by Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes. Verse 5. So you are adopted as a son of Jesus Christ today, Alvin, because, uh, because you are in Christ. What else? Holy and blameless. Yes. Uh, which verse is that in? Verse 4. That we should be holy and blameless before him. Verse 13, in him also you, uh, you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It's a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Anything else? Spiritual blessings in three. Spiritual blessings. And it actually says every spiritual blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. I mean, it is It is related to our being in Christ. Yep. That's that should result in our praising. Itself. Yep, it gives us hope and praise. We have an inheritance. Mm-hmm. Verse 11, yes. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Thank you. This is quite a list of of what it means to be in Christ. And who we are in Christ. Thanks for being willing to join in that little study. Um, there's, there's so much in the New Testament that, that talks about what it means to be in Christ. and I don't want to lose the wonder, uh, the wonder of what all that means. Did we miss anything that you were going to say before we move on and, and wrap up here? So I had just put down the four things that were new in Christ, were complete in Christ, were alive in Him, and then in Ephesians I said that we are blessed in Him, and that is a very much of an understatement, um, looking at this passage, that we are were blessed in Christ. On the back side of the paper, I also have a whole list of things, and don't worry, we're not going to read over all of these today. But these are also things, just continuing, of who are you in Christ and they are, in Christ I am, their identity statements of who Christ has made us. Um, so if you, if you have time and want to work through this in the weeks ahead, um, the, yeah, the New Testament is full of promises of who we are in Christ. As you look at that backside, all those things that are true, how do they become true in our life? And what we just read about in Ephesians 1, How does this become true? In Christ. Christ Christ has already done this. It becomes true as we believe and accept. And then he he works this out in our life. So I hope we can can leave this morning with a sense of of who we are in Christ and what a gift it is that he's done these things for us and that that we accept it and, um, and live in that. In closing, I'd like to read uh, two verses and and a quote. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. And again, just as you read through the New Testament, watch for how often God says, you live in me. I live in you, and that we are, we are in Christ. So I'd like to read this, this quote, I guess, to, to summarize why, why I feel this is so foundational for us in all of life, but as we answer the question of you know, what are the things that open our life up uh, to darkness. This is from Neil Anderson. The most important knowledge we possess is a true knowledge of who God is. The second most important belief is who we are as children of God because we cannot consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with how we see ourselves. And if we do not see ourselves as God sees us, then to that degree we suffer from a wrong identity and a poor image of who we really are. It's not what we do that determines who we are. It's who we are that determines what we do. I'd like to highlight that last sentence here last two sentences. It's not what we do that determines who we are. It's who we are that determines what we do. And this is the hope of the gospel. It's Christ in us, and all of our, our actions and things change out of that, uh, flow out of that. Um, we're not earning anything, but Christ has done that for us. Um, I've asked Walter to, for closing to lead us in the, um, the song, In Christ Alone, So if you could get out the song sheets and stand, Um, I'd like us to, uh, to sing In Christ Alone.